Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today, and remember to always drink responsibly. What do you wish for most this holiday? If you're like me, you want all W's for your favorite NFL team. Unfortunately, even Santa can't make that happen. But the Yahoo Sports mobile app can make it so you can see those games and more right on your phone. In fact, with the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you can watch live local and primetime NFL games during the holidays and all season long. Never miss big matchups or your favorite team in action. What are you waiting for? Download the Yahoo Sports mobile app and may all your football wishes come true. Unless, of course, your team is playing the Bears. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Robert Mays, the Cleveland Browns are two games out of first place. <laughs> that's, that's definitely the most important thing that happened today. It's definitely number one on my mind. Nick Mullins has the most yards in a two-game stretch come since, give this to me since, come on since joe montana you're you're the worst i hate you got a come little on. nick mullins joe montana nugget we only have i i only have so many of these moments can i relish it for like 30 seconds and the chicago bears are the first team in the sean McVay era to hold the rams without a touchdown really fun game uh, just a standout performance by the Bears defense. And we'll get to that a little bit later, but you know, obviously that's the last thing that happened before we started recording this show. So uh, bizarre game. I and mean, when your quarterback throws three terrible interceptions, you don't expect to win by multiple scores. That's how good the Bears defense was tonight. It's everything you could have hoped for as a Bears fan outside of every single element of how the offense played. <laughs> I kind of like that we looked at all these influential teams like the 2017 Rams begat some of the teams this year, some of the, you know, some of the stuff the Chiefs did even early in 2017 carried over 2018 with a lot more teams, but quietly one of the most influential teams we're starting to see was the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars. I, all right, let's go. (laughs) Honestly, though, uh, do that very quickly. Are you kidding? Or is is there some part of you that's actually a little bit serious? I'm a little bit serious. I mean, I, there, there's a lot more teams, and I'm not even a little bit serious. I'm actually a lot serious. There's a lot of teams who don't have quarterbacks, and we're starting to see some really good defenses who are able to win in spite of bad quarterback play, and that's not something we thought was going to be possible in September, October, even early November 2018. I think that's Two weeks ago. I yeah. mean, before the Saints game. Yeah, without a doubt. And so yeah. now you're starting to see the fact... We thought... We looked at the the Jaguars two weeks ago when they bunched Bortles and they said, oh, they're just a team out of their era. They, they, they missed it by a year. It's over. There will never be another good defensive team with a bad quarterback ever again. And here comes everybody. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff. I think the Bears win is impressive. I think I, even though the Ravens lost, what they did against the Chiefs and yep. just the fight they put up, I think is worth talking about. We'll get to all that stuff. We'll get to the week in general. But let's start with a team that has confounded us for a couple weeks now yep. and continued to do, I, I mean, probably the last month, if you consider the highs and the lows. Well, let's be clear. Let's be clear. The last five years. <laughs> no, that, that's also true. 
I have a very simple question for you. We have a name. We have a name. The team. Are we going to name the team? Yeah. What the hell is going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Do you have any? Do you have any sense of this team? Like, I, yeah. I wouldn't. I'm not asking if your fingers on the pulse because I'm not sure if there is one. Do you have <laughs> any idea yeah. of what to? make of this team what to expect from this team over the next month or so i just they are on both ends of the spectrum to me they are on either just polar opposites of they can lay an egg against the raiders they can beat anybody and i think that we just assumed i would say as recently as two or three weeks ago they're going to win the afc north they're going to be a player in the afc postseason kind of picture now I don't. They were know in anything. the two seed like twenty five yes. minutes ago. Yes. I, I, after so after they won the Carolina game, I think that my reaction at least was, "Here come the Steelers." It's a team we're not yeah, talking about because they're. Yeah. That was mine. I mean, okay. I think you were you, you were pumping the brakes a little bit more than I was because I wasn't as quick to come around on the Panthers aren't good, but. That game in general, I was like, man, this team. That was good, also, I, I was not ready to commit to the Norv hype train. Oh, see, I was on the yeah. Norv hype. I was driving yeah. the Norv hype train. So yeah. I, that's maybe this is on me. Maybe this is just my overreactionary element. But I still think that that Thursday night game, how their offense looked, it's like, all right, here we go. You know, we're overlooking them just because there are all these new teams we're excited about, but there's still Antonio Brown. Juju is still one of the more exciting players in the league. Roethlisberger has this gear. And then over the last month, they've looked pretty terrible consistently. Yep. I mean, oh, that Broncos game, you know, they their offense moved the ball pretty easily, weird turnovers, everything else. But results, independent of just how you look, they look like trash during the Jaguars game and they won. So if you just want to make those a wash, they have not looked good over the last month at any stretch. And now I'm just wondering, do they even matter in the AFC playoff race? Do they win that division? Like, Do the Ravens somehow come back and do this? It just seems like any single outcome for them in the next three to four weeks is on the table. So there's a couple of things we need to discuss here. So the first thing is that the reason I wanted to start with this story, the reason I thought this was the biggest deal of the week is I actually wanted to avoid what I've already discussed, which is sort of overreaction to specific results on Sunday. I think, yes. there's, a, I think there's becoming a little bit of... Oh, it's snowing outside, so global warming can't be real in the NFL. Um, That's how I feel about the Patriots this week. Well, no, no. Just for example, like I just don't want to overreact to specific outcomes based on a bounce of the ball here or there. But I think that's what the point you're trying to make. I'm I'm not even talking about specific how we feel about a team. I'm talking about like the state of the league because we keep overreacting, and the NFL is getting more offensive, and that's just going to keep happening. And you can't say offensive or offensive. Offensive and offensive. Yeah, and offensive. I think both of those are but, true. But it's getting offensive. Like numbers are going up. And so this Bears Rams game doesn't say anything about the general, you know, direction of the league or anything like that any more than the Chiefs Rams did a couple weeks ago. It's not going to be 105 points. It's also not going to be less than 30 points combined. Okay. But what I think the most impactful thing out of Sunday is, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing like a bad team. They yes. have lost three straight games to the Broncos, who, that loss looks pretty bad now. The Chargers, which I guess in the context of they're the Chargers, looks okay when you see it and it's at home and all the crazy mistakes they made. And they were up double-digit double digit points in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's all that stuff. Yeah, it, it looks much worse. And then this game to the Oakland Raiders, who, I mean, 
I don't eat. I don't. I'm running out of words to describe them. I'd like to give you a statistic from Scott Katzmark, Football <laughs> Outsiders. Since 2007, NFL road favorites by 10 or more points are 60 and 11 straight up. Okay. Mike Tomlin has four of those 11 losses. That's remarkable. I, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, that is that the definition of not showing up for games? And and they're also predictable. We, we, we keep talking about this, how they keep playing down to the level of their opponent. And it seems like one of those things you just identify the problem and fix. Do they not have as stringent of practices in those weeks? I don't know. I, I, I honestly... I don't know, and I don't know if anybody does. I mean, there's so many strange things going on now. I mean, I guess Tomlin, I guess this is going to cut Chris Boswell or something like that. He hinted at it. That's what reporters say. Meanwhile, he's going to be $5 million in dead money because they signed him to a $17 million four-year contract over the summer. Did Chris Boswell, was he in the secondary when all those guys were running wide well, open for most of the, the game? Was he the guy? I thought this was amazing, okay? So it was a Steelers blogger, Alex Cazorro. Who tweeted, so Ben Roethlisberger did not come back in and start the second half. And the reason was is that a rib injury. And Tomlin said it was, quote, we were in a rhythm and flow of the game. That's that's why he didn't come in when they asked him why didn't Ben Roethlisberger come in. Here were the second half. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait, is, oh wait, God. wait. But here were the second half results on drives before Roethlisberger returned. Okay. This was the rhythm and the flow. Punt, turnover on downs, interception, punt. That's great rhythm and flow, man. What, it's the best <laughs> rhythm and flow. I mean, first of all, that's just the most coach nonsense in history. Rhythm and flow. Rhythm and flow, man. Rhythm and flow. So, all right. I I get all this. Watching that game, as a Steelers fan, I just can't imagine how frustrating it is and just how maddening that experience would be. But let's, I want to wear two hats about the Steelers very quickly. One, Mm -hmm. you just said the Roethlisberger thing. They did not have the starting quarterback for a majority of the second half. The offense could do nothing without him. And that game was close and they almost won. Let's go back to the previous weeks. We just said double digits against the Chargers late in the second half. The Chargers were a good team. They had 500-something total yards of offense against the Broncos. A few scattered mistakes. They beat Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. They've lost three straight. They haven't looked good necessarily for a month. If they do make the playoffs, would you be surprised if they give one of these really good teams a run for their money? No, I wouldn't because... I think that's where I am with the Steelers. I was on a radio show a couple weeks ago and someone was comparing the Steelers to Mike Tyson, which is just, it's just pure talent, you know? And I think about that a lot. It's just, it can be Antonio Brown and it can be Ben Roethlisberger. And they can be that over and over. And if it happens... Five times in a big way, you got yourself a win. They have enough talent around there where they're not going to give. I doubt, I, I think that them giving up 45 points to the Jaguars last year was sort of a once-in-a-lifetime event. I don't think that's going to happen again in the playoffs. Um, I mean, hopefully not. And so I think that they can. They have enough talent where they can just make a handful of plays in one game and beat a really good team. So the Steelers are 7-5-1. and one. The Ravens are seven and six. Mm-hmm. The Steelers play the Patriots and the Saints the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they beat, if they, if the Ravens had beaten the Chiefs today, I mean, this would have been a five alarm fire. But should it be a four alarm fire? That's my it's question. It's a three alarm fire. The Steelers can lose this division. And if they do, the Dolphins are seven and six now. The five seed is done. Like, th- there is no five or six seed race in the NFC this, or in the AFC the same way there is in the NFC. It's over. The Chargers are going to get the five seed in the AFC. 
Mm-hmm. The Dolphins have seven wins the same way the Steelers do. If mm-hmm. the Steelers lose next week and the Dolphins win, the Steelers are now out of the playoffs. If the Ravens were to win, excuse me. I think we should have uh, seen it as more of a red flag when the Steelers tied Hugh Jackson. <laughs> I'm just saying it, it, that is the gamut that the Steelers run is that a couple weeks ago, it was written in pen in my mind. Mm-hmm. They're going to win that division. They will give, whether it's the Saint or the Chiefs or the Patriots or whoever, they will give them problems come playoff time. And now we really do live in a world where it's not guaranteed that the Steelers even make the playoffs. Oh. And if they don't, what sort of conversations do you think are happening over there? So the Steelers have not fired a head coach since I want to say they've had after this season, they'll have had 50 years of, of head coach stability. They've had three head coaches in that time. I think the last time they fired a coach was 1960s. And I think I've seen the stat that it was the LBJ administration. We were having this discussion last week about McCarthy when I said, I thought the, pa- the Packers are the most conservative franchise in the NFL. And yeah. you correctly stepped in and said, that's absolutely not I mean, true. The damn it's Packers the just randomly hired Ray Rhodes one year. For one year. That's okay. I forgot about the Ray Rhodes year when I was making that statement. I, I went back and <laughs> did a little research as I was writing about McCarthy. So you are correct about this. But that's what I'm saying is that they are the picture of stability. They are the picture of not overreacting. It, it, they're the team that is going to stay the course more than any other. But if they don't make the playoffs this year, yeah. uh, and considering the month that it's been, do you think some conversations start happening in that building? Yeah, I think the conversations happen. Uh, I think that I would not be betting that Mike Tomlin would be out of a job if they don't make the I playoffs. I would not either. I think that they're going to have like two long meetings and then he's going to, it's going to be sort of a, you better have results next year kind of thing. That would be my guess. I mean, this is the, I think when you look at the long view of it, Mike Tomlin has, and this is kind of a Mike McCarthy thing. Remember when, um, remember when Mike, Mike McCarthy a couple of years ago was really under fire and he was like, you know, guys, let's, let's, let's be clear. I'm a very successful head football coach. And when you look at his record, yeah, he was. He was in the midst of pretty much an uninterrupted playoff streak that was obviously broken whenever Aaron Rodgers was out. But you look at Mike Tomlin, that's five straight, four, excuse me, four straight playoff appearances for him. He had two seasons in a row in 2012 and 2013 where he did not make the playoffs, and he came back with an 11-5 and five season the next year. Okay, He's gotten to at least the second round in three straight years. So I think if he has... One sort of weird off year. I don't think they make a move at all. I agree. I, I think he's the coach next year. I just think that we're having a different conversation about the Steelers, you and I, than we were a month ago. And I'm curious what the Steelers conversation is about the state of their franchise and where they're going. Yeah, they're, probably, it's, taking it's, it's the, they're probably taking the long view since they've had three head coaches in 50 years. <laughs> they're a little bit re- less reactionary than us. Is that what you're saying? Well, you have to remember. So Bill Cowher went three years. 98, 99, 2000 without playoffs. It's amazing that's the standard. To make three the years of the, play, no, the, the that's the Steelers standard. Three years without the playoffs. What's yeah. going on? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it sounds just, great. C- Coward did it. I'm just saying, you can, these guys, the Roonies, they're going to stick with their guy. Yeah. They're like, I, they're I, like comp- the competent, a competent version of like the Cowboys in the sense that they're just going <laughs> to. Like stick with their head coach <laughs> for the right reasons, not the wrong ones. Yeah, yeah, they stick with their guy for the mm. right reasons, and not because I I don't even know. I don't even know why J- Jerry Jones sticks with Jason Garrett, but I don't remember if they stuck with Wade Phillips a year or too long. Jerry Jones, man, uh, unwavering loyalty. We've talked Except about it on the show. Except to Jimmy Johnson. 
It's the only one. The guy who won you a couple Super Bowls. All right. Uh, let's get to stock up and stock down. Yeah. Uh, stock up. I I think we should start with the Bears. Is that fair? This is very exciting for you. Go ahead. Just, I mean, we, we talked about a little bit the open. Just a fantastic performance by the defense. Vic Fangio, I mean, he's thrown a shutout all season. Today was another example. You lose Bryce Callahan, none of it mattered. McManus came in and played well. Perfectly timed blitzes, great, really just blind stunts that were working. Guys understanding exactly when to break on balls based on coverages. He's been phenomenal all season, and today was a perfect example of it. That Rams team wants to play with play action. They do not want to be a straight dropback team. And if you push them off their spots and you get them off those timing and chunk plays, they're going to struggle. And that's exactly what happened today. I mean, there was a version of this game in my mind after seeing what the Lions did last week. I was like, I think this can go well. Mm -hmm. It didn't even hold a candle to what actually happened tonight. It's, I don't know. It, It gives me a lot of hope for what this team can do in any given game against any given offense. I know this was at home. I know it was 22 degrees outside. They're likely playing most of the NFC playoffs on the road, but you can't play a better defensive football game than the Bears play tonight. I am pre-tired. I'm preloading my exhaustion for cold Jared Goff takes. <laughs> because he's not, so he's not going to play a cold weather playoff game this year it's gonna be yeah new orleans los right. angeles well, well, and right, inside right. It's atlanta happens right exactly so we're gonna get next year next november are you saying example. the bears can't get one of the buys is that is that mathematically not possible well i don't think they get the one seed that's no, i'm, oh, I'm okay. just kidding it, no i know I, I know you're feeling it i know you're feeling it i just no, want to give no, you some perspective here no new, new orleans so, los angeles atlanta is the nfc yeah, playoff road so like next November, next December, it's all we're gonna hear about is uh, he grew up. He grew up in California. He's he's just not used to the cold. I'm just that that narrative was already making its way out today. I thought that was very funny. Here's the narrative I'm gonna live with: it's Khalil Mack, Akeem, and Akeem Hicks yeah. terrorizing his life, and the Bears' defensive backs being very opportunistic players who have made a living now on jumping routes because they know how quick the ball is coming out. So Bradley, it has nothing to do with temperature. Bradley Soul, okay. Score the, it scores a touchdown. The only touchdown of the game. It was incredible. Are you aware of... First of all, do you, do you know what that play was called? I do not know what the play was called. It was called Santa's sleigh. Oh, God. That's even better. Do you know Matt when... Nagy, it, Matt Nagy's my hero. Do you know when it was installed? No. Friday. That's beautiful. I mean, that was... That was a... I, w- I was not reading fever. anything after the game ended. I was re-watching other games. So that was I'm, a I'm glad you lay that on me. That it was amazing. Ten linemen, right? Ten linemen, including a bunch of defensive linemen. Yep. It, it, it's been a fun year. I mean, even in games where it's been frustrating, like last week, they're they're doing stuff. It's energizing, and it's just I don't know. It's a fun experience to watch my football team every week, mm-hmm. and that's what I was asking for this year. I had no idea how it was going to go. I assumed they would be within reach of a wild card based on what the defense could be and what I thought the offense could be with the talent influx and Nagy taking over. And now it's beyond that. It's been a cool experience. I thought wild card was definitely a possibility. What I didn't think was a possibility was division because I thought, and we both thought really the Vikings were going to be a lot better totally. than they actually were. And, and their, their downfall has changed everything about the NFC and, and certainly how I view it. 
A um, couple of things. Number one, Chase Stewart, great, great nugget here. Rams Bears, first time both starting quarterbacks have thrown three plus interceptions in a game since 2013. Do you want to take a guess at who the two quarterbacks were? They're still with us today. They're still in the league? Yeah. And they're still extremely <laughs> relevant. You didn't mean they're still alive? No. I was, I was curious how you were it was framing only 2013. that. <sighs> was Kirk Cousins one of them? No. Nah, Joe Flacco and Andy Dalton. Oh, that sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. Um, yeah. So this was not this was not a, a great offensive performance. We know that. As, as I said, this is the first time in 29 games where Sean McVay's team didn't score a touchdown when he's the head coach. Um, I am again. I want to. I want to use the global warming analogy just because it's snowing doesn't mean there's no global warming. I still think that the Rams' way of playing football is the way to play in 2018. What I will say is, as we saw with the Cowboys and the Saints last week, is that sometimes, maybe one out of every three times, whatever it is, defense is going to shut you out. And I think that's really interesting. And and that's going to be able to travel, even though both the Saints, Cowboys game and the Bears Rams game, those teams were at home. Defense can travel. I, I'm really intrigued now with the NFC playoffs, just because I want to see when when you've got you know all all the all the the week to prepare on just one thing. You're not looking ahead to anything when you're in that state. Can the Rams score 25, 30, 35 points in this bears defense? I want to see this game again in the yeah. same way. I also want to see Saints Cowboys again. I, I hope we get to see it again. Uh, I mean, that that's where I'm sitting right now. So the bears this season, the big, okay. I just want to say the bigger, the sample size between great defenses and great offenses, the better it is for observers. It's I I'm, I'm geeking out about this stuff. So the Bears have allowed more than 22 points in three games this season. Mm-hmm. The first is that bizarre Aaron Rodgers comeback game in week one. The second is the weirdest game I've ever seen against the Dolphins. Excuse me, four times. That Dolphins game where Brock Osweiler had 270 yards after the catch was screen after screen that the Bears couldn't stop somehow. The Patriots, who scored a defensive touchdown and, or excuse me, scored two special teams touchdowns, scored 38. And then there was the Giants game last week where there was a defensive touchdown and Odell Beckham threw a touchdown pass. For the most part, this team has not allowed a real team in the rhythm of a game to score more than 24 points. At a certain point, the defense is just good. And I think that tonight was proof. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the limit is. I don't know how far it can go, but tonight is what I needed to see to believe that it could be a very real factor in the playoffs. I totally agree with you. I mean, this is exciting. This is the stuff you want to see. If I, if I've been making the argument and I have over the past three months that offensive football is just going to keep growing because of the rule changes, because of the young quarterbacks, because of the offensive minds that will be head coaches next year, get promoted. I want to see these sort of games because it needs to be proven to me that that eventually a Rams team or a Saints team can go out and just knock the crap out of a defense like this. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm most interested to see. I mean, you saw sort of a low-grade version of it with the Ravens and the Chiefs today. It's not like the Chiefs played, you know, the the greatest game of their season this year as a complete team. They, I mean, Mahomes really bailed them out in cases. So let's get to Mahomes as the second Oh, we're doing that? Up. We're doing that now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nothing else to say about the Bears? No, I just okay. It, it's little stuff like the the pick that Fuller had, 
And there Collinsworth is talking about how I knew well, there was more. I knew there was well, more. It's so Collinsworth is like, oh, it's just a simple zone defense. He's misread it. Yeah. And like, this is the nonsense that drives me crazy. The Bears don't play simple zone defenses. The Bears have one of the more complex approaches of any defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They play a ton of lock zone defenses where you have one corner manned up on the field on the boundary side with zone behind it to the other way. And they do a lot of cover six lock where it's quarters and then one cover two safety and one man corner. It's just stuff that oversimplifying it is taking away the credit for how good Vic Fangio is at his job. And tonight was a constant reminder of just how good he is. It just frustrates me. It's like just Jared Goff throwing four interceptions is not a product of Jared Goff playing bad. It's a product of the Bears having the best defense in the NFL. Full stop exclamation point. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's get him, get him, Maze, get Collinsworth. Uh, all right, all right. Let, let, let's move on before I get a little overworked. Uh, let's talk about Mahomes because okay, I didn't know. I, I thought the, I didn't know look past today. I thought the Ravens played great. I thought their offense was super fun to watch. I'm just baffled by it every time I see what it is in practice and that it works against the NFL teams. It's so fun. What Mahomes did today against. I'd say the second best defense in the NFL outside of just the sheer dominance of the schematic parts of who the chiefs are. The chiefs have been so good at just being like, we will out coach you. Our guys will be open. We're going to score 45 points without even blinking. That was not who the chiefs were today. Mm -hmm. And Mahomes had to make so many off schedule, just improv plays that, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I, I was, they were, this is not the most impressive performance that the Chiefs offense has had. It's the most impressed I've been by Patrick Mahomes in a game this season with yep. the turnovers, everything. If that makes yep. sense. Yep. No, it was a really interesting, it was a really interesting game. And Mahomes made at least two of probably the 10 best throws he's made this year. I'd even put it at more than that. Maybe it's just because I was watching this game closer than I've watched other Chiefs games, but. The no-look throw he had coming across the, the middle, so yep. from right to left, I mean, that was just insane. I, I, I don't even know who else in the league would even attempt to make that throw, let alone who could. And then there was that same drive he had the throw to wear up the left sideline where he had to step up through traffic and make that pass. And then the one he had on the first drive to Kelsey that he had to put over the linebacker in front of the safety on the right sideline, that was one of the best throws you can ever see a quarterback make. I mean, it just, they were constant today. And watching him have to make those throws again while being pushed off his spot, while having the timing of these plays thrown off, it's the best he's been all season. And, you know, I tweeted it that we have, some people have discounted what Mahomes has done just because of how great the system is in Kansas City. And everyone's like, who's been doing that? You know, who's been discounting Mahomes? Two weeks ago, Drew Brees was the MVP, not even favorite. It was consensus. Yeah, but so just just be, wait, just just because we uh, people thought that Drew Brees and I, I at one point was one of them. I, I go back and forth. Obviously, part of it's that I said Brees in the preseason, but I just because they say Brees is number one doesn't mean Mahomes isn't one point five or two. Oh, of course, no one's ranking Mahomes like thirty fifth behind. Of like, course not. But I not think putting Ryan Tannehill ahead of him. I think the argument against Mahomes in favor of Brees is that Mahomes was doing it in a perfect situation and Breeze had to shoulder more of the load within his offense. 
That's what I think that is a fair statement to make. And I think that people were making it. What Mahomes did today, I, I think just kind of recalibrates the way I think he can be successful in the NFL, no matter what's going on around him. I'm with you. I'm with you. Can we talk about the Cowboys? Yeah. What do you want to say about the Cowboys? Do you want to do more Amari Cooper crow eating or are we beyond that? I don't care about it. Um, I, it's, it's, again, it goes back to the fact that the Cowboys being good is really exciting. Um, I don't, yeah. I, I don't really care. I don't have a team, an NFL team. I don't care either way. Um, so a lot of people, I get a lot of this, like, like uh, whenever I have any opinion on anything, they'll be like, you're just jealous. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're, I'm jealous of. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, but nobody can say that to you. People can say that to me if they want to. Sure. But I will say there's a couple of teams around the league that when they're good, the league is just better. Um, it's just a little more fun. The Cowboys are one of them. So extremely strange game um, for large parts of it. Dak Prescott looked quite bad. It was um, nine to nothing at the end it of three was quarters. Nine, <laughs> nine to nothing. And, and, and meanwhile, the Cowboys finished the game with 576 yards of total offense yes. or most in a game since 1978. I mean, two, I mean, how many of those yards came on two Amari Cooper completions? I guess three. Right. I mean, it and was, then, and it also, by the way, they, game. they, they, the winning touchdown was deflected off of Rasul Douglas's. Hand. It was a horrendous throw. I mean, there's, if we're doing this sort of multiverse theory here, there are a lot of universes out there where, where he returns that for a substantial, play i understand there's not a lot of universes out there where where the cowboys won the game on that throw that's all i'm saying a lot of process over results stuff i mean you're up nine nothing at the end of three quarters it's not like you dominated the game you have those two massive cooper touchdowns but those two massive cooper touchdowns is why you deal very high draft pick for amari cooper i mean it's not as if you want to rely on those sort of game-breaking plays when you're trying to uh, you're we're throwing nine routes against third string cornerbacks. It's, that's not going to be reliable in terms of building your offense week to week, but he has proven time and time again over the last month and a half that he's able to make just game changing plays. And that's what this team needed. And he's been exactly that for them. It's fun to watch it, Good for him. I mean, I just, I feel like a lot of people were sour. They, they soured on him. They were very apprehensive about the trade in general. And I think that he's been a top five pick in a much better situation. That's all I've seen from him over the last month and a half. And it's been cool. I mean, those game, those plays, him scoring those touchdowns is like, I don't know how many receivers in the league could take over the game in the second half like that. Not many. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say just to qualify it a little bit. I mean, the Eagles secondary was really, they're, they're, they're terrible. Sydney they're Jones, Sydney Jones should not have been on the field today. They're, they're very, very bad. But at the same time, I mean, He's done that. I mean, Mike, Michael Gallup. Ma- Michael Gallup saying. was getting open, um, and Dak just missed him. I think that someone said it was a fourth game in a row where basically Gallup's been wide open, and Dak has missed him by three yards or so. I mean, he had that um, throw last week that would have salted the game away if yeah. he had hit it. It would have been a two-score game. I want to um, visit something with you, Jason Garrett. One of the Cowboys reporters compiled this. Jason Garrett describing the following players. Ezekiel Elliott, hell of a football player. Amari Cooper, hell of a football player. Zach Martin, talk about a tough individual. Dak Prescott, he's a tough son of a bitch now. Did Jason Garrett try to save his job by becoming a literal cowboy? That's not, I'm not, I'm not going with literal cowboy. You know that, uh, the episode of Parks and Rec where uh, Ben is 
running the campaign for the senator in Washington, D.C., and they're wondering if the guy's a robot or not. Like He just right. sits in a room and stares ahead of himself for like hours at a time. That's how I feel about Jason Garrett now. Like, should we Garrett, actually do a test to see if he's a human being? Jason Garrett went to Princeton, and now he's like extra in Deadwood. He's from Pennsylvania. He's actually been cast in the Deadwood movie. He went to came high out, school came out in New today. Jersey. The, to be, the, every character in Deadwood, though, has way more personality than Jason Garrett could ever imagine to have. Wow. I couldn't even imagine Jason Garrett in Deadwood. That's, that sounds like a Thursday topic. Um, yeah. We'll, so, we'll invite Mal on. I, I'm sure she'll have a lot of thoughts about that. Is she a Deadwood head? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't. I have not looked into this. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Mallory's a big fan of all things Deadwood. Okay, uh, there, are a lot, so, there are a lot of ringer staffers that have a lot of thoughts about it. If we want to open that can of worms, I'm not sure we do. Yeah, so I don't. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the, the Cowboys can are seem to be capable of anything right now because of their defense. I mean, and, and that's that's the one thing I want to touch on with the Cooper stuff is, yeah, Cooper is leading the NFL in yard since the trade. Cooper's been a very, very good player, but if this defense isn't playing at an elite level in most of these games at that point, we're having a very different conversation right now. Yeah. I mean, key plays too. I mean, Gregory had the strip sack at one point. I mean, uh, Van Der Esch had that big sack. Again, zero points through three quarters. They're playing extremely well. That's going to be their shot, but it's the combination of that defense playing as well as they are with big play potential, with being able to run the ball a little bit. Hopefully, Martin's healthy. It's just... There are enough elements to this team that I feel like in the right moments at their ceiling, they could be problematic. That's where I sit with Dallas. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, this is it gets down to if you play five games between the top teams and the mid-tier teams, the NFC, these mid-tier teams are going to win one and a half of them. And I, and I think come playoff time, we're going to see more upsets than maybe we thought a month ago. It, 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 ju- it just takes the one, though. And, and that's where I'm at with Dallas. Yeah, I, I just think they have enough talent on defense. And then if you have those scattered big shot plays that they didn't have for the first half of the season, it becomes an entirely different conversation. We just went full Herb Brooks and Miracle. It only takes one. It just <laughs> takes one. If we play one. them 99. All right. It, we, we play them 100 times, they might win 99. Was that yeah. it? Yeah. All right. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Control Center by Cabo is the one remote that does it all. This holiday season, help your loved ones take control of their TV with the gift of Control Center. Control Center cleans up your home theater so you can control everything connected to your TV with one easy-to-use remote and stop wasting precious time searching for shows. Plug in your streamer, sound system, cable, or satellite, even your game console, and Control Center handles it all. It's easy to use for everyone, even your father-in-law who can't get the game on. There's also a remote feature, so you don't have to panic if it disappears into the couch. Control Center works with Amazon Alexa and Google Home, so you can even watch TV hands-free. Relax this holiday season and enjoy stress-free TV with Control Center. I've been using Cabo. I am the worst when it comes to remotes. I lose them all the time. I have no idea how they work. Having a centralized way to control everything on my TV is the best thing I could ever imagine. And as soon as you try it, you'll feel the same way. Shop now and get 40% off Control Center with promo code NFL. 40%. That's $59.95. 40% off the regular price of $99.95. Control Center is available at caavo.com and Best Buy. Control Center by Kava. One remote that does it all.
All right, let's get one more stock up. Wait, are we doing dolphins? Yeah. That's where I was, that, what? I was getting. I was getting there. I know, no, I didn't know because we, we had talked about a couple of these teams. Okay, wait. So first of all, just for context, Dolphins 69-yard touchdown was the longest touchdown with no time left to win a game in the Super Bowl era. That's good. Okay. Is the hook and lateral the future of football, Robert Mays? It showed up twice today, man. <laughs> More teams should do it. It won one game and had the opportunity to win another, but the Steelers went full Again, Steelers. The Chris Boswell conversation. They went full Steelers. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think that, you know, one of the things I've talked about when, when people have asked me what the next step in football is, I actually think it's kind of, it's not hook and laterals. It's sort of multiple people having the ball in the backfield and then one of them throwing almost sort of like a, what the Saints are doing a little bit with three quarterbacks. I, I think like with, with if you have a crappy quarterback, it's better to have three of them and just have a little misdirection there. Um, so Princeton does that where they'll yeah. run those option plays and they'll actually hand it to the guy that's the option runner and he's also a quarterback, so he'll be able right. to throw it. Right, but apparently when I tweeted about the hook and ladder a little bit, some people say the guy, uh, Coach Kelly, the guy who doesn't punt, um, who's famous for not punting, his thing is that the hook and laterals are actually the next step in football. And so, I actually... Is I, hook I, and I lateral a thing? As far as you're going to say, hook, say and hook and ladder, it's the same thing. Yeah, I've never, I've never used that phrase hook and lateral before. Well, the Wikipedia says hook and lateral, sometimes referred to as hook and ladder, but it's called hook and lateral. The Wikipedia. Interesting. Page. I've never said hook and lateral in my life. It's like a regional thing. It's like pop versus Coke. There you go. I just said you, you saying it like, and you firmly believe that was the, that was the term. I was like, okay, well, I wasn't going to come in. I wasn't going to come in unsure. Good for you, buddy. Uh, doing your research. I appreciate that. I've always said hook and ladder. Uh, maybe that's just varsity blues influencing the way I talk about football. Well, it's all the same. <laughs> it, um, it was it, it was a nuts. I mean, the play was insane. It was absolutely crazy. I Even watching it in real time, it was hard to process. I mean, you have Gronkowski back there, I guess, to prevent a Hail Mary. And then the last thing you want with a guy who can't move that well being your last line of defense happens. Right. So Rob Gronkowski is not the guy you want back there. That's the lesson. Yeah, he's learned. not Earl Thomas. I think we learned that today. I yeah. think, or uh, like Julio's defended those plays pretty, pretty well in the past. Does in terms of knocking up? those balls. Calvin out. Johnson, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Calvin Johnson has been a great, great last play guy, but they knew, they knew it was going to be a hook and ladder. Hook, excuse me, hook and lateral. They said that. I mean, you had to. It would have been a seventy. It would have been a seventy, 70 yard yards in the air is capable for half the quarterbacks, just not Ryan Tannehill. Half the quarterbacks might be strong, but yeah. I mean, I bet, I bet a lot of them could throw seventy yards in the air. I think at that point you're probably pitching it, and that's Josh Allen could do it, dude. Josh Allen has a cannon. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that. it's not like we're looking at Justin Mahomes and Rodgers here. No, there, there are a handful of guys. Stafford. I bet Stafford can do it. I think fewer teams, I think less than single digits, the amount of teams that would probably pitch the ball in that situation. Derek Carr is a pitcher in that spot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's anything else, just about the Dolphins victory in general. Anything else you want to say or just that play? No, kind of uh, the Dolphins are not going away. That's what I want to say. Yeah. I want to say that the Miami Dolphins, I mean, they had a chance to win that game. Uh, in in non hook and ladder fashion, um, and so I just I can't explain it, but 
you know, when they get Xavier Howard back to full health, they could make a playoff push. Yeah, I mean, that was their problem today is that they just couldn't really cover anybody. I also thought that Brady had a handful of really impressive throws today. I mean, the touchdown throw to Patterson was gorgeous. The one to Edelman on that little whip was really nice. Even the one to Gronkowski, it looked like it was in traffic, but his ability to place it over the linebacker in front of the safety was great. I mean, I I thought Brady played better than I've seen him play a lot of games this year, but there were so many scattered big plays from Miami. And whether that is just kind of a a blip, just more of an aberration from Miami's ability to string those together rather than New England's defense playing poorly, I don't know. But at the same time, if you're – the Patriots, that's what you can't allow to happen. When Brady's playing like that, you can't allow several, you know, 50, 60 yard touchdowns to happen. Can we combine the first stock down with my challenge flag? <laughs> sure, that's that works. I want to talk about this for an extended period of time. All right, done. I want to talk about the Washington Redskins, Robert. That, I figured that's what you're talking about. Thomas Boswell, one of the best columnists in America. For a very long time. For a very, very long time. Big influence on on young Kevin Clark, for better or worse. Um, and on young Robert Mays, for sure. For, be- for better or worse, meaning on my end, not certainly not on his. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, he unleashed, helped, helped hone my writing style, which has now been unleashed onto the planet, for better or worse. Um, he, he called the Redskins a lot worse than bad. It looked unprofessional. And the wow. more I think about it, <laughs> that's that the, Kevin Clark disappointed dad tone. The more I think about it, the more that's just a hundred percent right. It's not just bad. It's not like the Bengals giving up fifty-one to the Saints or whatever. It's unprofessional. There's a quote in there. I can't. I I I I can't even fathom it now. It's from Jay Gruden. That product was not a reflection of the work that went into preparation. Gruden said. However. It did look bad. Yeah, no shit, Jay. (laughs) I mean, that was one of the worst. They were down 40 to nothing to a Giants team that, I mean, I I, I mean, they haven't, the Giants, the Giants are not the worst team in the NFL or anything. They've won some games. In fact, they're on kind of a mini hot streak, but you're going to have to give me something a little better than that. You went out. And you said that Mark Sanchez knew the system. Well, what the hell is wrong with your system? In fact, the worst case scenario is that this is Mark Sanchez when he knows the system. I would go back and say, actually, we were just joking. Mark Sanchez had no idea what the system was. I, I Josh, wanna... Mark Sanchez, six for 14, 38 yards, two interceptions. Josh Johnson comes in 11, 11 for 16, 195, one touchdown, one interception. So well, the game was already over. I mean, no, of course. It, but it, it, I mean, it's. It, I'm not saying Josh Johnson did a nice job. I'm saying they got 230 combined yards from their crappy quarterbacks. I don't want to do the, the Colin Kaepernick thing the same way that everyone else is. Just that you, I mean, it's an embarrassment that they're not looking at him, everything else. It, it, to me, it's more about just the thought processes that go on with NFL offenses, NFL coaches. To say and put out there that Sanchez is the guy you went with because he understood the system. And that is his redeeming quality. The Ravens within a week changed every element of who they were offensively because they had a better player available to them. And that style of football was more conducive to them winning football games. And they're giving the Chiefs a run for their money almost completely because their weird offense with their talented quarterback gives them a chance. This is not real. 
Matt Nagy invented a play on Friday that had 10 <laughs> linemen with it. Yes. It's, it's just, it's so, so, so ridiculous to me that a team is going to come out and say, because Mark Sanchez was the coach with our offensive coordinator when he happened to be the quarterback's coach in New York six or seven years ago, he's a better option for us to win a football game on Sunday than a player that's considerably more talented than him that happens to like playing in a different style than we use. The the excuses just don't hold up anymore. That's just not how it works. There are better ways to go about this. So I would like to talk for a second about the Kaepernick thing because I've always been of the theory and I've said this many times that there was, I, I, I don't think in my opinion, there was a, a league-wide collusion. I don't think there's an email anywhere saying don't sign Colin Kaepernick. What I think it was was probably even worse for the league. It was that 32 owners or pseudo-owners looked at the situation and got scared and are cowards. Like that. That's that's sort of what I think. Um, and I think that so it's it's not some sort of crazy directive. It's just every NFL owner. Uh, isn't committed to winning enough to give into distraction culture, which is not a real thing. Distraction culture is largely trumped up. Um, the Seahawks got in a fist fight the week they won the Super Bowl, and one of their players had a black eye, and that seems like a distraction. But then they won the Super Bowl. Like there, there's, there's, the, the, I, I've said this before. Um, I once asked a Jets player. I said uh, we were talking about distractions, and he said, um, "You know who gets really distracted?" Really bad teams. They get distracted because they suck. Yeah, the like Redskins they, they look get, very distracted they, today. They get, yeah, they get distracted because they're just thinking about how crappy they are, right? Like, that's that's how it happens. The Washington Redskins had a play, not only a playoff chance, but statistically, before the Alex Smith injury, they had a really good one. They had a one-game lead with, the I think, one of the easiest schedules left in the NFL. They're six and seven. Okay, That's not going to happen anymore because the Cowboys have run away and hit, hit in this division. And that ship has sailed. But what it shows me, their actions, signing Mark Sanchez, playing Josh Johnson, all of this, it shows me they weren't committed to winning. Um, and I think that this is a lesson for everybody involved who's a Redskins fan, that that their franchise, once Alex Smith went down, said, we're, we're do not care about winning. That's as simple as it gets. You either care about winning football games and doing everything you can to do them within the realm of possibility, or you don't. And the Redskins have systematically over the last three to four weeks show that they just don't care and good for them. If you don't care, then that's fine. But you might as well come out and say that it's that we would rather lose than make the right decisions. So I'm with you, man. Doing that as a stock down on challenge flag seems right. Let's do one more stock down before we get to my challenge flag. And that is the Denver Broncos who I don't know, just didn't know George Kittle was a person today. Apparently. Yeah, I thought you said George Hill, and I was like, what did I miss? Uh, George Kittle. George <laughs> Maybe they don't know George Hill as a person either. I don't know if Vance Joseph is an NFL or NBA fan or no. I was like, well, what was that George Hill trade? What the hell is going on here? Um, so George Kittle, really, really good. One, It's funny, Riley McAtee and I, uh, or we actually were in Slack earlier, um, and he was talking about how there's really only three tight ends that matter this year, especially in fantasy, and George Kittle is one of them. He's a breakout star. Um so the 49ers are not a good team. They've lost to the Cardinals. Uh, pretty much unforgivable for a Broncos team trying to make this make the playoffs to lose this game. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. They could not 
cover Kittle in the first half. And obviously the 49ers didn't score much in the second half. But it's because they sat on the ball almost the entire final two quarters. I mean, that just a team that really doesn't trust their ability to continue moving the ball. But what Kittle was able to do, I mean, it's part scheme and part just that he's a really, really talented player. That's all it came down to today. I mean, he had 200 yards receiving in the first half and the game was over. They took the air out of the ball after the first half ended because of how good George Kittle was for the first two quarters. It's nuts. Like an NFL game should never have that sort of script. Hey, shouldn't the 49ers have tanked this game? A lot of teams should have done that today. Think about how many teams won unnecessarily that are in line to be the, have the number one pick. The Giants won today, the Raiders won today, and the 49ers won today. Good on the Cardinals. They, they came through well, in the The Giants clutch. have five wins. The, the, the Giants are out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Again, the Cardinals really understand what's at stake here, and I appreciate their style. Someone's, the Cardinals are going to get Nick Bosa here, and they're going to be really happy they didn't try to be heroes. Yeah, there's no reason to be winning games at this point in the calendar. All right, can I do I my the challenge? The 49ers flag real quick? were a little bit more forward thinking than that. Uh, yeah, challenge flag. Uh, I just want to throw a challenge flag on the idea of hiring a defensive coordinator as your head coach. Because I know a lot of teams after tonight, after this season, are going to be looking at Vic Fangio and they're going to say, Oh boy. They're going to say, Hey, I mean, look at the job he did with the Bears defense. Shouldn't we give him a chance? And no. You shouldn't give him a chance. It's just not a smart way to build your franchise at this point in time. You really should not hire defensive-minded head coaches as your head coach. Is this a reverse? That, that's where reverse, I'm right now. Reverse you can chance. if you want to, but not Vic Fangio because he will not succeed as a head coach. He also hates puppies. I don't know if you saw that. This is a, this is a great bit for you. Um, I have a question. Does Vic Fangio want to be a head coach? So that's kind of what I'm banking on right now. If you haven't been able to tell, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I don't think you should hire a, a defensive coordinator as your head coach at this point. I think there are better ways to do this. But I also am just trying to cling so hard to Vic Fangio not getting a head coaching job this offseason. And my number one, I think, hope in all of that and the number one chance as to why he wouldn't is that he's a 60-year-old guy who really doesn't give a shit about being a head coach. So, okay. I, I'm not reporting anything on anybody says, but I remember having a conversation with someone who played for him recently, and they were basically just like, you know what, Vic Fangio loves his guys, and he loves just building a defense, and he loves just being a mad professor on that side of the ball, and it, I don't think he would say no to a head coaching job, but I don't think he's going to go out of his way to, you know, move the pieces around to get a job. I think if someone pulls a Greg Williams and says, just sign the letter, he's going to be okay with that. But I think that he really, really likes his life. That's why he stayed here, you know, that that whole deal. Um, and so I just think that he, he I, I think if a team comes knocking and is aggressive, he's obviously not going to turn that down. I'm just saying that the, this guy I was talking to is basically just like Vic Fangio really, really enjoys being a defensive coordinator. That's my hope. I mean, he's been in the league for 30 years. He's 60 years old. They signed him to a three-year contract this offseason. So I'm not sure that they'd be willing to offer him more money. But if he came to the team and said, I'd like a little bit more, I would give him what he wanted. Because I think that we've had this discussion so many times over the last few weeks about how it's hard to maintain success mm -hmm. because you lose certain elements of who you were. Even the Bryce Callahan injury. Let's say Bryce Callahan's out for the next four weeks. That's the type of stuff that dings you as a defense and as a unit. And obviously losing your coordinator is the biggest element of that. 
And for the Bears to maintain or kind of have any continuity on that side of the ball that they've had this season, they need him back. So if he comes and says, I want so-and-so million dollars to be the defensive coordinator, I would do it no matter what it was. And I hope that the money, what you just said, and just how long he's been in the league and the idea of starting over at this point in his career is out there enough that he's willing to stick around because he's been fantastic. So let me ask you a question. Divorcing yourself from Bears fandom, what do you see as his ideal destination if you were to take a job? I think the team I could see hiring a defensive-minded head coach would be Tampa Bay. If that makes sense. Just because they've been so well, bad agree. defensively for the I last agree. couple of years. I, I, it's, it's, I so, wouldn't do that, but that is the team. If you wanted to spin it for me and you wanted to sell it, I could see it. So let me ask you a question. What about the Green Bay Packers with a sort of new school Zach Taylor-esque play caller? I think if you have the right play caller on offense, you can hire a guy like Vic Fangio. I just don't know if you want to bank on that formula. I think that formula is much more volatile than having your head coach be your play caller. That's, that's what I believe in right now. Okay. I, th- I think that I think that instead I would rather have Vic Fangio plus a really interesting innovative play caller than like the third or fourth best offensive guru. That's fine, but Vic Fangio hates puppies, and no one that <laughs> hates puppies should be the head coach in the NFL. I think there you might go- be a, lo- a lot of openings. I I really hope people don't think I'm serious. I'm like actually trying to not get Vic Fangio this job. I just Dude, really I love tweeted, what this defense I, has I been. I tweeted that the McVeigh learned too many of the Bears' names, <laughs> and and people and people are like. No, that's called preparation, dude. Like, what do you? What's wrong with you? And I'm just like, I'm sorry, you learned too many names. I'm just hoping that people don't think I'm serious. I'm not trying to, you know, thwart the man's mobility professionally. I just, it's really hard to do as good a job as he did as the defensive coordinator of this team this season. I mean, it's in this era, throwing a shutout like he has schematically is almost impossible. And it watching rules. him walk away this season would be not that fun. All right. Next week's headlines very quickly. What do you think people are going to be talking about tomorrow? And Bears, Bears hype, baby. And Cowboys hype. I don't want to do this. Bears. And, well, I mean, it's going to get overshadowed by the Cowboys hype. That's fine with me because Mitchell was not good today. So, so if we can pump well, the brakes in the Bears hype, I'm, I'm okay with Three and a that. half quarters, Dak wasn't good. And now he's Troy Aikman. It's fine. Hype is fun. I mean, like, it, it, yeah, it's, I'm all it's right our, it. listen, it's our job to to point out the long game and the fact, you know, a Cooper is going to be worth $13.9 million next year, all that stuff. But like, if you're a Cowboys fan, don't worry about that stuff. Just talk your shit, man. That's kind of how I am with the Bears right Come now. At me. I also I don't care. This is the type of stuff I'm now thinking as a Bears fan. I'm really glad they're paying the Packers next week and not another team because Next week is the exact type of letdown game you'd expect after winning this one. And I'm really glad it's Green Bay at home. Like that's that's my thought process now as a Bears fan. It's like, oh good, we're not gonna have a letdown game after you know being oh, no, the Rams. You just get Aaron Rodgers who's trying to who just did actually a pretty good performance with Joe Philbin. Well, but I'm just saying, like the Bears are not gonna lay an egg against the Packers. I understand. Like, that's not that, the type of game you're coming you in and be like, oh, we got this. You understand that you are now thankful to see Aaron Rodgers. Solely because I know that the Bears are going to show up for Aaron Rodgers. That that's why I'm this thankful a, to see him in no very, other way. This is a very be careful what you wish for thing, Robert Mays. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll throw for four touchdowns and they'll lose by 21. But in the sense that I think the team will show up, that's why I'm glad that the Packers are coming to town next week. All right, is that all we got? That's it.
All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday.